Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospect Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, alongside JJ Cooper. Hello. Hitting the Reds here for you. Exciting system. Nick Senzel, number two overall pick last year. Hunter, or 2016 I should say. Hunter Green, number two overall pick in uh, 2017. Back-to-back number two overall picks that look pretty good. Now the top two prospects and, in the system. And the other thing that stands out with that obviously is, is if you pick that high two years in a row... Your farm system should look pretty good. Uh, and in, in fairness, the Marlins had the number two pick the year before, and they went with Tyler Kolek. So you can mess it up. No, I'm not saying you can't mess it up. But right, that was 24 times. Sorry, right. I'm missing it. But, but you yes, get the point. I get the point. But you, yeah, you can mess it up. But at the same time, I, I do think you know this is a, a system that is that is very solid. And but I, and again, I'm not even making light of it. I'm just saying there are advantages when you talk about a rebuild. One of the advantages of a rebuild when you pick high. You get to pick guys like Nick Senzel. You get to pick guys like Hunter Green. And those guys are really good. So, JJ, I uh, did something prior to uh, this podcast that I wanted to let you know about. I went back and looked at who were the college second uh, college third baseman mm-hmm. taken in the top, right-hand, I'm sorry, right-handed hitting college third baseman taken pretty, top, okay, so top, so top 10 since 2000. It is. But just show you the, the group that Nick Senzel is in. Okay, hold on. So, yeah, go ahead. I, I would, Ryan, it would not be particularly thrilling. I think I could get some of them, but at the same time, I don't think Ra- it would be very Ryan thrilling. Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Braun, Evan Longoria, Anthony Rendon, Chris Bryant. That's the group Nick Senzel is in. And by the way, looking at what he's did in his first full season, it matches up pretty nicely with some of these guys. The closest one was Ryan Braun. And so I want to get your take on Nick Senzel. I mean, this is a guy who... Number two overall pick. Some people didn't love it, but did everything he should have done. Got up to double A, hit for average, hit for more power than was expected. I just from an outsider's perspective looking in, seems like he's ready to join that you know that next volume of a top tier third baseman. David Wright has been a common comparison. I mean, what's been your I like, take? I like David Wright as a comparison more than I do Ryan Braun because I don't think when you mention Ryan Braun. Different kind of hair. I, I think that you are, like, I, I think that I don't want Reds fans to expect, like, Ryan Braun to me, like, if you said, is Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant to me is a better version of Ryan Braun. And what I mean by that is, is it is a guy who you say in the right year, could he win a home run title? Absolutely. Maybe, you know, make it a little easier now because there's no Giancarlo Stanton in the, uh, in the National League. You know. But, uh, right. but, Braun and, and Bryant were both MVPs, Senzel. Maybe not that, but Senzel still. more of the David Wright. Like again, I think there's legit power there, but I think it is that's power that you're going to see a combination of doubles and home runs. Now let's also throw in the reality, which is, is that he plays in Cincinnati. That's going to add five, ten home runs to you because it's a lot easier to hit home runs there than a lot. Of and by the way, if we're talking about David Wright as the oh, he's not quite no, no, David yeah. Wright. I mean. 2005, 2013, dude averaged 30, 23 homers, 93 RBIs. I mean, this is a guy who was a perennial all-star, couple gold gloves, couple top 10 MVP finishes, a heart-of-the-order hitter on multiple playoff contenders. I mean, And, and I will say, I'm going to both very grossly pat myself on the back here, and then I will respond by saying about how I'm really bad at what I do, because... In 2003, I was doing the Mets. I'm old. I was doing the Mets list. And uh, I wrote him up as, at his best, right as a scout's dream. He flashed the potential to be a 300 hitter with 25 to 30 homers and 80-plus walks. He makes all the plays at third base. Uh, average speed runs the base as well. 
I think that that was one of my better write-ups, like because what it you know again peak David Wright, I think you could define as a three hundred hitter, twenty five you know thirty home runs. And then the and, and by the way, he had a couple thirty. He had a thirty thirty season. Right. I mean, could definitely run. On the on the other hand, though, the bad part of that was is that was my Mets number three prospect because I had Kaz Matsui number one. It's all dun, right. dun, 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 but dun. but so I want I wanted to go in. I, I think Hunter Green obviously there was a tremendous amount of hype. I would argue well deserved in a lot of ways. But Nick Senzel is still the number one prospect in the system. Just take us through what was kind of your your process there and your discussions and ultimately you know. Remember, I didn't write the oh, you know. Oh, that's right. Trent Rosecrans said. I'm sorry. Trent wrote this. But but, but in, we, we in your discussions it, yes. that that you've had because I know you have you know close ties with the system. What for you? I, I think we we do agree that that was the right ranking. Senzel over Green at number one. I don't think it's even that hard right now. And the reason I say that is is and now again, Hunter Green has a chance to be exceptional. When you say who has the easiest arm in baseball, it may be Hunter Green. And what I mean by that is not that Earl Chapman throws harder. Earl Chapman, Earl Chapman still throws harder than anybody. But Hunter Green gets to velo real easy. You, when Hunter Green was at shortstop, that was not just an 80, but that was an 80. And you're talking about, like, you would hear comparisons to the great shortstop arms of all time. But at the same time, if you tell me I'm choosing between a college, you just talked about your right-handed college third baseman drafted the top ten picks, and this, you know. But if you're talking about a college third baseman who's already produced at Double A, first 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 full year with defensive value, and you with an SEC track record, and I'm comparing that to a high school right-hander who was a two-way player. Who threw had, only 28 innings? Who's, threw, who's thrown 28 innings so far? Uh, well, high, his senior season, high right? School. 28 innings so far, like this in 2017, basically, barely pitched in Billings. Not much, you know, not much action. I'm gonna go with the guy. I mean, there is a lot, lot, lot more risk there. There's a lot of upside, but there's a lot of risk there, and that's not because he's Hunter Green. That's because he is a high school pitcher. Who was drafted high? Who threw a hundred? And the track record of those players surprisingly bad. Surprisingly very bad. iffy. And so that is why when you say who's one, who's two, to me that's it's it's not that hard. No, and I think that's all fair. Moving beyond those two, I think we can agree those were the two guys that are you know the number one contenders. But the guy who's number three that you maybe wouldn't argue for number one over those guys, but in his own right is an excellent prospect. And, and as you get your handbooks, you'll see there's a future all-star caliber player great on him, Taylor Trammell. This is a guy who, I lo- yeah. I mean, we knew he was good. He showed up a lot more than, than I think what a lot of people expected of him this year uh, in low A. Overall, what are your thoughts on Taylor Trammell and, and just how good he can be? I think that you are talking about a guy who's already really good, but if you want to talk about picking uh, potential breakout prospects of 2018, he fits on that list. And the reason I say that is is that as good as he was, he was very good in low A. But if you told me that he played half a year at high A, played really well, moved away up to double A, and if this guy's doing the same thing that he did in low A at high A and double A, then you are talking about a guy who's taking it to another level, and he has the ability to do that because he's a very well-rounded player. 
you're talking about athleticism, you're talking about speed, you're talking about developing power, you're talking about some field to hit. You're really the only you know the the only knock you're talking about is is that he's he's he could play center field, but he's probably not going to be. He's going to be a better going to be a really good corner who you can play in center, not a guy who's I mean they have Billy Hamilton in center. He's not Billy Hamilton. He's not Jose Siri. So that's the the that is the knock. But even but again, you know, it goes back. If you're a right fielder hitting left fielder, he's if you're but again, you know, we focus much on positional versatility and, and it does matter for the positional value, but guess what? If you're a twenty twenty guy or potentially a thirty thirty guy who hits for average, gets on base and slug, and you're hitting in the middle of an order, you're pretty dang good no matter what position you play. Right. And again, you know, the thing about it is, is he could be a guy who, when you talk about multiple paths, if you told me he's a, more of a top-of-the-order hitter, really gets on base, hits for average, you can see that. Or, But he is the guy who has a frame that is funny. He really runs. He was, a running, he was an excellent running back in Georgia. And excellent running back in Georgia high schools means you're an excellent running back. Yes. But he was an excellent running back in Georgia. But when you look at the frame, it's not going to surprise anyone if he ends up being 20, 25 pounds Heavier, a little slower, and a whole lot stronger when he's in the big leagues. You know, he's a guy. Looking at some of the other guys that were, you know, top hundred prospects, this question came up. You know, Leody Tavares is a guy with the Rangers that has, for the most part, been in, a, you know, in the fifty number fifty prospect range ish. Mm-hmm. And previously, Taylor Trammell has not been there, but I think now you look. I, there's not a lot of. I think you could argue Taylor Trammell should be. Right there, even ahead of Leody Tavares. I think you could very well make that argument. Now, again, the difference, you know, Tavares is a full year younger, but and he's a legit like there's he's a he he I've gotten from scouts that he's a no question center fielder, but I also don't think that he has the same the offensive impact. Yeah. The point is, there you know again before the no, year I think there was a separation, absolutely. and now I'm, absolutely you know I completely agree that you are talking about that is if you said I like Taylor Trammell better than. Leody Tavares as a prospect. Not, we're not talking about personally. I, you know, I like both of these guys. They're both good guys. But uh, when we're talking about as a prospect, I, I do think that that's absolutely a defensible position. Tyler Molly's number four made his big league debut last year after throwing a perfect game in the minors and, and uh, throwing a no hitter last year too. You know, guy man likes his zeros. Definitely. Uh, you know, the top four are all guys. Tyler Molly's been a top hundred guy. I think you know people ask how many guys are top hundred guys. These four. Jesse Winker is a guy who, at various points, has been, you know, a guy maybe in that range. He's also a guy that right now the Reds have spoken openly about trying to create some room for. Winker is the number five prospect, and then you move into kind of I feel like I an, could, another tier, you know, Tony Santana, Jose right, Sierra. I right. feel like the but Winker. Yeah, let's talk about Winker here because the thing that's fascinating to me about Winker, and this is he's been a fascinating a, guy. It's a long-running debate that I've had with others, that I've had with myself, which is. If Jesse Winker, if Jesse Winker is can hit for the power that he showed in the big leagues last year, then Jesse Winker is a slam dunk top hundred prospect. Slam dunk. Like not a question. Because no one really debates in any way that Jesse Winker's gonna hit for average, he's gonna get on base. Jesse Winker's always hit for average. When he's been healthy, he's had some issues with that, but when he's healthy, he hits for average, he gets on base. Jesse Winker, the minor leaguer, doesn't slug 400, generally, recently. He's had some wrist injuries, but he's a guy who's a 300, 370, 380, 400 guy. 
Jesse Winker in the big leagues. And as we talked about with the Reds, Great American Ballpark is a very nice place to hit. But I'll put it this way. Billy Hamilton, there's a lot of talk about potentially the Reds trading Billy Hamilton. Great American Ballpark is the worst possible place, I would argue, in baseball for Billy Hamilton to play. Because Billy Hamilton, his strengths, you put Billy Hamilton in Coors Field and you say, roam over this massive expanse of outfield. We want you to catch balls that no one else can get to. And then on the flip side, hey, Billy, good news also. See this massive expanse of outfield? There's a little bit more room for you to drop the ball in because he's not going to hit it overheads. You know, so that's going to help him there. You go to Great American Ballpark, Billy Hamilton, roam this expanse. By the way, the expanse is not very big. It's a small outfield. And by the way, it's a small outfield, so the outfielders can play a little bit closer. And the reality of it is, is there's less room for you to drop the ball in front of them. Flip that over to Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, Great American Ballpark, is about as good a place as Jesse Winker could find to play. The reasons why, he's not particularly good defensively. But you put him in a corner there, it's not as much of a problem because it's not a whole lot of room to cover. The other problem is, is the questions about the power. You put Jesse Winker in a bigger ballpark. You put Jesse Winker in San Diego, which I know plays a little bit more true, you know, a little more neutral now. But you put him in San Diego and you are talking about a guy who, you know, maybe the projection's five to ten home runs. You put him back in Great American Ballpark and all of a sudden some of those balls that are not clearing at other places do. And then all of a sudden you're saying 15 to 20. Jesse Winker, it's 15 to 20 homers. He's a very valuable player. Yeah, I'm going to be really curious to see, again, just the golf season's not done, what space gets cleared for him. And and ultimately, you know, guys get up there and they win their jobs and with their performance. And I think he's a guy that's definitely fascinating. You've mentioned just kind of, you know, where there's been some separation and, you know, see if he can finally get to click in. Uh, Is it safe to say that, you know, Hunter Green and, and Nick Senzel at, you know, top two are kind of the top tier Taylor Trammell, as great as he is, is probably, you know, oh, he's, that, a notch he's, he's a notch below. That Tyler Molly, Jesse Winker, guys who've been back in the hundreds, that next group. I do feel like, and this is, you can tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. this is kind of outside looking in, that after five, there, it's a, a fairly, you know, noticeable drop off. You know, Tony Santana, Jose Siri, Shedlock, good prospects, but not anywhere near at the level some of these I, other guys. I would agree that there is a shelf there. Um, now, the guys beyond that to me, I would say, are guys who, there's still something to prove. Tony Santion, again, we talk about great arms. You're talking about a guy who has an absolutely legit arm. If you see him on the right night, you think he belongs in that tier above. A little bit needs more consistency. needs to do it at a higher level. Jose Siri had the season that you absolutely wanted to see from Jose Siri. That at the same time, Jose Siri was old for that level and was not bumped up. He needs to do it at a higher level. If you want an example of that, they're different players, but... Aristides Aquino has done that before for the Reds, and then you get him up to a higher level, and then you say, you know, it's not working as well. And again, I think Aquino still has a shot, but he showed like that there, you know, the reality is with Jose Siri, he's going to have to still have better plate discipline. He's going to have to have better zone awareness. He's going to have to swing it less out of the zone for that to play at upper levels. The thing about that is, is if he can do that though, tools wise, we talked about Dick Senzel. We talk about Taylor Trammell, talk about Jesse Winker, none of them. None of them can compare Jose Siri is better defensively than any of them. You know, Jose Siri runs better. Jose Siri, athleticism, power. But there is the big if, which is, is that the hit tool 
is the overriding tool and Jesse Winker's hit tool is better. Taylor Trebell's hit tool is better. Nick Senzel's hit tool is better. So there are, that's the big if with Jose Siri. You know, one thing with Siri in that regard, which, I, I, you know, I I'm not going to say red flag, but I noticed a little bit. He turned 22 July 22nd, was mm-hmm. crushing throughout low A, and the Reds didn't promote him, which opened my eyes. Normally they, guys that age, right, that but performance, at the same time, get again, now, now, the argument for why he was not promoted is he needed a year. Like, this was the consolidation year. Low A is a year that sometimes you do see guys kept there to have success all year, and then the next year they start moving faster. He's going to have to move faster, you know, he, but the, at the same time, I do see where there could have been an argument for, hey, let's keep him there. He's doing well. It's a good environment for him because Dayton's a great place to play, and let's let him develop there, and in a year from now, we can turn around and say we're going to move him a little faster. As we move down the list, there's a, a couple of interesting guys. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, full season ball, Santian, Siri, Shedlong, Vlad, Gutierrez. The guy that's last on this list, Tyler Stevenson, high pick. We've seen... That's a tough one to rank right now. D- domestic U.S. high school catchers, it's a really, really poor track record. Do you have confidence Stevenson is not going to be the latest example of this? No, the funny thing is, is you say that, and the thing I'll point out with the Reds is the Reds have actually had a really good track record. Their gold glove catcher last year, Tucker Barnhart, is a high school catcher. Pre-injury, Devin Mesoraco was a really good player. Now, unfortunately, the injuries may have ruined that, but that happens. But that has nothing to do... He, he had proven that he was a legitimate big leaguer. He was a solid big leaguer. He was a very good catcher pre-injury. So you have that. So they have had track record and success with that. The other thing is, is Devin Mesoraco was pretty poor early in his career. It took a while for it to click in for him. The concern with Stevenson really more than anything is, is you just got to... You want to see a year where he's healthy. You know, he has not had that. He had concussion problems in uh, his first full year. He's had injury issues. The other concern you do have, though, is, is that he's a big dude. He's a really big dude. And so is that part of the injury issues? Maybe. I don't know. But also, is he going to be too big to really kind of, you know, stay back there? And because he's a catcher, I mean, trying to catch and hit is always, always, always a difficult thing to do. That's why that's why he's still 10 on the list. If you went purely off of what we've seen the last two years, especially we're not just doing this, but if you went purely off statistics, he wouldn't be there. But he was a well-regarded guy in the draft just a couple of years ago, and you really hope that it is, because again, we want these players to succeed, you're hoping that it is a combination of the injuries and the fact that he's a catcher, which to means it's, the hit tool is going to take longer to come along because... He's also having to catch. After you move out of that top 10, there's a really interesting crop of, of rookie ball guys. Jeter Downs, Jose Israel Garcia are, are two guys. Uh, you know, Jeter Downs was a recent draft mm-hmm. pick. Jose Israel Garcia was a recent uh, international signing. Another guy, Jacob Heatherly, was a high school pick. Uh, nice player as well. Stuart Fairchild. I mean, there's... Uh, recent, I mean... As you move down this list... I like the depth of the system. Even, you know, Jimmy Herget at, at 18, that's a futures gamer with a big arm. Uh, Philip Irvin's, you know, had you know, shown some Oh, things. you're giving away some stuff here, dude. Sorry, sorry. You're I, giving I just, away. The point's not even well, well, we, haven't, we haven't given up where they're... You, where said, they're you right. said 18 for I one did, of them. my bad. Sorry. But, but what I'm getting is, 
you know, the Reds are an interesting group because you have those stars at the top, the Senzels, the, you know, but there the is Grants depth here too. There's depth. I, I mean, for you in the grand scheme of things, looking at the Reds and where they are as a franchise and, you know, the struggles they've been having at the major league level, combined with some of the young talent they've got starting to ascend, the, mm-hmm. the depth in this system, how far away do you think they really are from getting back to, you know, when they had those couple years where they were, you know, contending for division titles? You should see some traction in 2018. And by traction, that does not mean I don't think they're going to be go to the playoffs in 2018. But we should see that this starts to be, we're talking about a 75-80 and on the upper an 85-win team. You know, hey, the Brewers last year, you know, when the season started, the Brewers looked like they were a little bit ahead of where the Reds were, but not massively. And the Brewers contended all year. Things can happen well. You know, you can speed up the timetable. But this team should be back in playoff wild card contention by 2020. 2019 is probably the early end. Now, again, if they're not, I mean, the reality of this is the NL Central is a very tough place to live right now. We were we just recorded the Cardinals podcast not that long ago. The Cardinals are still pretty stacked in the farm system. They Their farm system compares, I would say the Reds is deeper, but at the same time, maybe just a touch. But at the same time, I also think the Cardinals top end may be even a little bit better. So, you know, well, it's tough. But no, maybe not. Because Alex Reyes, Nick Senzel, Hunter Green. Yeah, it's, they're both really good. The Cubs are going to be there for a while to come. Um, the Brewers have already shown that they're going to be there. So it's a very tough division. Clearly the thing that the Reds have to have happen is they have a lot of young pitching. Some of it, some of it has to go from we've taken our lumps to we can compete, we can contend. It doesn't have to be all of them. It's not going to be all of them, but they have to have some of that. You're going to have to have some of these guys like Tyler Molle and others come in and be a part of that. But it, you know, whether it's Tyler Molle or Robert Stevenson or Sal Romano or Amir Garrett to go with, I mean, the thing about it is that they did do that last year with Luis Castillo. I feel very comfortable with Luis Castillo being at the front of that rotation. Great trade for them, but they're going to have to do that. And the, the other thing they have is they have a lot of good arms, so they should be able to put together a bullpen out of this. They have Rysel Iglesias. They have Michael Lorenzen. They should, you know, maybe Cody Reed is up there. They have guys there. So you put it all together and you say they should have enough pitching if the pitching develops. And then you look at the lineup. We're still in the prime years of Joey Votto. Joey Votto is, I mean. MVP runner-up this and year. And is every bit as good as anyone in the National yeah. League. And so that's a great place to start. But the thing about it is, is go on top of that is, is they're still uh, a little thin up in the middle infield. They got, you know, that they don't have guys who you say, I mean, they're going to be worse at shortstop than they were last year, unless Zach Cozart resigns. I, I, if Jose Peraza plays well, he's not going to play as well as Zach Cozart did last year. Zach Cozart was excellent last year. Their outfield is good, it's fine, but at the same time, it's not sensational, and that is where, look. Right now, there's still one player left on the Marlins among the uh, the big four. It does make a whole lot of sense if you're the Reds to say, hey, four years of Christian Yelich, we're willing to pay a pretty good price to get four years of Christian Yelich. That would make their team much better, and it would not be just for one year. The key part of it is it would be for multiple years to come. If you could trade for Christian Yelich and he's your center fielder and you trade Billy Hamilton somewhere else and get a little something back, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I do have to say, you know, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, guys who are prospects of the past, Amir Garrett, no longer prospect eligible, they've got to pitch better. You've touched mm-hmm. on it. What level of confidence do you have that they will? 
I think you'll get one of those guys to be fine. I think one of those guys will be a reliever, and one of those guys it won't work out. That's my, like, you're going to get one of them, you're not going to get one of them, and one of them's going to end up being less than you expected. A one, basically a 50% success rate, I guess is how you define that. We shall see. Time will tell. Well, uh, I think that'll about do it for our Reds podcast. For uh, yeah, we're recording this again from uh, the uh, the the we're the beautiful studio at uh, the Swan Hotel at the uh, winter meetings, and it's twelve forty five on Thursday morning, and I've got Rule Five rumors to go gather. So, uh, but we do want to remind you again that uh, you know the baseballamerica.com dot com slash store. Tell them what they will get there if they go there. Kyle. Prospect Handbook, you get all the books coming out. We've got a lot to subscribe as well. Subscribe, online subscriptions. If you do that, less than, you can do for less than $6 a month. And we will, it's a tsunami of content for you, you know, and uh, we, we hope you enjoy that. We, we Again, if you already do subscribe, we really, we really appreciate it because you are funding what we do and we appreciate that. But we also think that you're getting a great value for it because just this week, a massive amount of stuff. Last week, a massive amount of stuff. Next week, a massive amount of stuff. You will know more. You will know more about baseball. You will know more about the prospects than anyone of your fellow baseball fans. That's why you subscribe to Baseball America. Absolutely. That'll about do it for J.J. Cooper. I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.